Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Sebastian Sogamozo. I hope I got close on that. You did. You did a good job. Uh, do you want to just give a brief introduction, who you are, why you're famous? Uh, okay. Uh, so I wouldn't say I'm famous, but yeah, sure. My name is Sebastian. Uh, I am a Ruby developer. I am originally from Colombia. I've been living in Panama for the last almost two years. Um, I was on one of the Ruby Rocks uh, episodes, I uh, think, uh, over a year ago. Episode and 349, uh, The Overnight Failure. Right, right, right. Exactly. That's the one. Uh, so now I'm glad to join you for this episode of my Ruby story. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one we talked about uh, failures in code, if I remember right. It was right. Like- exactly. It was like kind of like based on the talk I gave at uh, RubyConf in 2017, uh, where I told the story about like how things went really bad poorly or in a company I worked for and we charged people a lot of money on their credit cards. That's right. That that rings a bell. And then um, we also talked a bit about uh, Ruby conference in Colombia and that's right. Community and stuff like that. So this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Very cool. I didn't realize that you had moved up to Panama. I have. I moved here because of my wife's job. Uh, so oh. she got yeah, transferred here and I work remotely. So it was an easy move for us. Yep. Makes sense. Very cool. Well, um, we're going to highlight your story and talk about, um, you know, uh, your coding journey. And to do that, we kind of want to go back to the beginning and talk about how you got into programming. Sounds good. Uh, okay. So I, uh, I guess like I, got my first try at programming when I was in high school, like in computer class, learned a little bit of Pascal and that was really exciting. And I, uh, I was, I got really excited about like being able to tell a computer what to do because so far my experience had been like the computer was telling me what to do. And I was just trying to figure it out all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that got like, that got me really interested in uh, learning more. I I learned some more through high school, but then I, when I graduated, I uh, studied uh, what in Colombia we call like systems engineering, which mm-hmm. is like the closest thing I, I guess we have to computer science. Uh, it's not uh, we we don't really learn that much programming as I as I would have liked to. Uh, we have a lot of maths and physics because it's an engineering degree, um, but. Uh, when I went to university, I got kind of like uh, disenchanted with programming. I learned a lot of Java and like the courses were kind of boring. So I 
<laughs> yeah. That's the best way I've heard it put. Because I went through the same thing. I took the classes and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do something else with my life. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened to me. So when I was, uh, when I graduated, I ended up like working at something very different. I was working like for a like financial, co- financial company, uh, kind of like doing ma- management related with like, kind of like managing the provider that built like the website and like a, a bunch of transactions they had on the website, but it was not technical at all. Uh, then after a while I started missing programming. So ended up uh, like taking a job as a Java programmer <laughs> of all things. And uh, after like a little bit, like that company started to get a lot of clients from the U S and Canada. Uh, and because I was kind of like the, person in the team who had like a more decent English level, I guess, speaking level, uh, I got bumped to being like a prog, uh, sorry, project manager mm-hmm. sorts and did it for a while, did that for a while. And it was cool. I, I liked it, but I, I really like just joined the company because I wanted to do programming and I started learning Ruby on the side in the meanwhile. So I started like doing tutorials, like the Rails tutorial and uh, yeah, just doing like small applications on the side. And eventually like a, yeah, a client asked for a project doing Ruby, which is, was like a really simple thing. A, basically like they wanted someone to build a gem to consume their API. Um, so I jumped on it and like kind of like did the, did the project with the help of another more experienced person in Ruby that was that worked outside of the company that we hired. And after that, I was, uh, yeah, I just decided that Ruby was, wanted, was the thing I wanted to do. So I uh, started looking for a job. Unfortunately, there were no like uh, companies, software development companies doing Ruby in Colombia. I think it, there was just like one. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't remember if I got hired, if I didn't even apply because I actually didn't look very interesting. Ended up looking, ended up like uh, interviewing with a company from New York. Uh, They hired me like as a very junior developer. So I just left my job as a project manager to uh, start doing Ruby. That was crazy. Like that, like for me, that was the best decision ever, but that, that sounded crazy for a lot of people, my fr- or friends that I work with, because it was like, all, like their goal was to eventually get to be a project manager. And I was just like leaving that back behind just to be a junior developer in another company. But yeah, never look back, don't, don't regret that at all. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, what, what introduced you to Ruby? Because you said that you started doing it on the side. So I'm, I'm just curious how you found it. Oh yeah, good question. Uh, I think it was a friend of mine uh, that uh, was doing PHP and kind of like heard about Ruby and he told me about like this new uh, fun language. I mean, when I looked at it for the first time, it was like 2010, so it wasn't even new <laughs> at, at the time. It, it was new in Colombia, I guess, like I haven't heard about it before and none of my friends had. Uh, but yeah, that's how I got started. Very cool. So you get into Ruby and uh, you get this job. What, what kinds of things have you done with Ruby since then? Uh, good question. So the first uh, years of like my uh, career as a Ruby developer, I worked for consulting companies. So all sorts of things. It was like basically just a bunch of Rails apps, but for different type of businesses. 
so yeah, uh, I, I've jumped a, a, across like a different, a lot of different projects. It was a really good way to get started uh, doing Ruby and learning Rails. Right. Uh, yeah. Since then, like I, I then moved to onto like a product company. So I worked at a, a like a startup also based in New York that was called Ride, which is was like a carpooling, uh, car sharing app. Uh, that didn't work out in the end. And uh-huh. that's how I ended up where I'm right now, which is Cookpad, just like a big uh, Ruby company, I guess. And it's really old, it's, a, it's really big in Japan, but uh, I'm working most, mostly based on like the global team instead of the Japanese right. team. Uh, yeah, so that's like very briefly what I've been doing with Ruby since I started. Right. That makes sense. And you've also done a whole bunch of community stuff. I mean, you, you organized the Ruby meetup in Bogota. That's uh, right. That's right. So organized the conference down there. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that came about? Sure. Sure. Thanks for bringing it up. So, um, so when I got into Ruby, like one of the ways I learned the most was by, uh, like looking at talks online, like look at videos from conflicts mm-hmm. and whatever, like a lot of conferences around the world. Uh, so like I, when I saw those videos and like as I was learning, I, did, I really did want to give, give a talk myself, like uh, in the future, I guess. And at a certain point, I started like submitting uh, talks to conferences. I got accepted to one, uh, to one the first one that I spoke at, at was uh, LA RubyConf. 2014 I think so when I went there like the whole experience was great uh, although I think my talk was really bad <laughs> the whole experience was great like uh, being surrounded by other people other Rubyists and uh, getting to meet like a lot of people that I just saw on Twitter or saw their talks online was an amazing experience so I wanted to kind of like bring something of that back home and um, uh, uh, at the time I was living in Bogota, there there was a Ruby meetup there. Uh, there I mean, yeah, there was one that existed, but it was kind of like of abandoned. So I just talked to the previous organizers and took it up from there, run it like for two years. And that got me like started into like meeting more people that were doing Ruby and also uh, like getting a little bit of experience organizing like uh, community events. Then later on, like, uh, I started organizing a conference, uh, like the first RubyConf Colombia. Other people joined and helped organize it. And we did it for three years. Uh, and last year, we decided to take a break because it's a lot of work. Um, but we are back organizing it again this year. Uh, along the way, I also got uh, involved helping uh, with Rails uh, Girls Summer of Code. So I was a mentor for, uh, for like on 2015. <clears throat> Uh, also was like a coach on like local Rails girls workshops. So since then I've just been trying to help as much as I can to kind of like uh, doing Colombia what uh, other people in other countries are doing a good job at and kind of like trying to uh, build a good, like a bigger community that uh, allows people to learn new stuff, to get better job opportunities and yeah, just to like enjoy programming as Ruby has done for me. So, I mean, I get a lot of fulfillment out of helping people get into Ruby as well. And you know, that's why we started Ruby Rogues. Of course, we also started it because we like talking to each other. But, uh, you know, 
I, I like going to the conferences and meeting people. I like answering questions when people run into problems and all these kinds of things. And yeah, the conferences and things like Rails Girls and, you know, some of these other programs out there, they seem to really kind of capture a lot of what I want to do. So I'm a little curious, and I know that's not the topic of this, but do you want to talk a little bit about what goes into organizing a conference? Because the other end of things is, is that I've never met a conference organizer that was like, you know, they came away going, <laughs> we made a ton of money off that conference. You know, they, they come away, you know, and they basically spent every nickel they got on the conference. <laughs> they might have a little in the war chest for next time to reserve the venue, but that's it. <clears throat> yeah, what you said pretty much sums up the financials of organizing a conference. It's definitely, at least in my experience, the hardest part of all. Uh, so organizing a conference can be as easy or complicated as you want to. I know few people, like I've talked to a lot of other organizers and some people are very hands off and just like do the minimum amount of, of work possible to make it happen. They, and that's, that's fine. That's okay. Uh, but that at the end, like I've, I've attended those conferences and at the end, like the experience as an attendee is not as great. And you can, you can really see when the organizers put like a lot of thought and love into a conference and changes right. a lot of things. Uh, so it can be as simple as just like deciding a date, finding a venue, and then starting to invite speakers and opening the CFP. Uh, but then if you want to really give a, like a good experience to people, you also start looking into, okay, what, uh, like what type of talks we want to accept coming to a CFP because we, we will have people from all levels, like new, new people that are just getting started with Ruby, people with uh, like a few years of experience, people that are very experienced. Also, uh, in particular in Colombia, uh, like costs are really important because uh, like local market salaries are not very high. So that means that like the, the amount of money that people can pay for a ticket is it's very limited, but still like organizing a conference, even though it's in Colombia, uh, where things tend to be cheaper, uh, doesn't necessarily add up to being a cheaper conference because you still need to fly speakers from other places, other countries far away, which is quite expensive. Right. Hotels are also expensive, even, even in Colombia. So, and like video, uh, audio, all of those things are not, are, are still going to be expensive food, all of that. So, uh, all of that uh, is like has been the most stressful part for me, kind of like coming up with the money because unfortunately in Colombia, it's hard to cover all of the costs with just tickets. So we need right. to find another way to come up with money. And that's uh, like the way to do that or the conferences regularly do that is by sponsorships. And given that like Ruby is not a huge, hugely popular language in Colombia, it's also hard to uh, find com companies that are like, like local companies that are willing to sponsor and like foreign companies that are uh, interested in sponsoring a conference in Colombia are very limited because might not be like the uh, market, like they're, yeah, they're a target market for them or where they look for uh developers to hire. So yeah, that's always the tough part, uh, but it's always very, very, very rewarding to see, uh, like to just talk to attendees and hear the stories and hear how like they had uh, like a great experience just meeting people who contribute to the, for example, to Rails or Ruby or any open source programs or libraries that they have been using for years. Uh, 
Mm, so yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, like going back to your initial question, the conference have we have never lost money, fortunately, but mm-hmm. like we we've also uh, never gotten like got much much more than like a thousand dollars or something like that left for next year, which right. barely covers like the down payment for the for a venue or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always tough. Like we've always like some of the organizers we've always ended up putting our own money, not knowing if we will get it back. Uh, so that's why we kind of like decided to take a step back next year and like kind of like uh, yeah have a little rest and then come back again this year with probably like a new strategy and new plans to, to make it more sustainable because that's what we ultimately want for right. this to not be something that just depends on whoever's running it that year but something that's sustainable in terms of people want, wanting to organize it and also like money not being a big issue so that uh, so that it's something that works in the long run Yep. Makes sense. Hey folks, let me tell you about a really cool thing. It's the .tech domains. Listen, you work in tech. I work in tech. We all do things that affect technology. So why not have it reflected in our domain names? If you head over to get.tech or head over to your favorite domain registrar, you can pick up a .tech domain right now. In fact, if you want to get show notes for this show, you can check them out at myrubystory.tech. I don't know if I have anything else to ask you. Is there anything you're working on now that you want to talk about? Uh, well, yeah, I guess like talking a bit more about community involvement in, in the Ruby community. Uh, like this year, I was very honored to be invited to be part of the Rails Conf program committee. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's, it's been a cool, very cool experience. And that means like reviewing a lot of uh, top proposals, also kind of like choosing one or two tracks that you want to see in the conference. Uh, so this year I, I, I've been running or I'll be running the, like for the long haul track, which is about like Rails apps that have been in production for a lot of years and, and how we, like different companies and people have managed to do that. And like there's, yeah, how, how they've done it and also how they plan to keep their app running for a lot of other years coming. And another one called Unpacking Rails, which is mostly just about explaining how Rails works, uh, Rails internals, or also how to find out, uh, what's the best way to find out how, how a specific part of Rails works when you need to. Um, so yeah, also very excited about that. Looking forward to the conference, which should be the end of April. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. all I got. Yeah, I, I've been trying to get back to RailsConf, but um, the weekend they picked this year is a weekend that my wife actually is going to a women's conference here locally. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, with the kids, I can't. <laughs> I can't go. So, um, the the upside is is that there's a local Angular conference uh, in Salt Lake City, NGConf, and I usually go to that one anyway. So I can go to that one, and they actually have a kids track. So ah, that's I'm cool. just gonna pull all my kids out of school and go to that. But yeah, hopefully one of these years I'll get back to RailsConf. But yeah, I, I'd love to 
you know, what's been your experience so far on the program track? I mean, do, do you, what parts of it do you enjoy? Um, I know looking through uh, calls for proposals, especially as many talks as are submitted to RailsConf has got to be a little bit tedious. Yeah, it's, it, it can be a bit tedious. There were like over 400 proposals this year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so it takes a long time. But yeah, I, I guess like it's sometimes it, it's really exciting. Like when you read a good proposal, it gets you excited. Like I was just thinking about seeing talk. Sometimes like you just see talks that were barely finished or uh, they are very uninteresting. But at, at the end of the, of the day, like most of them are good and it's it's hard to choose even even though like we had a lot of speaking slots for the company but mm-hmm. sorry for the for the conference it's right. it's hard to make the final call and after a little while you start like picking up speed and it's kind of like easy to identify when a proposal is good or bad mm-hmm. uh in a in a short amount of time short amount of time so yeah it's it's not that bad it's 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 it's, it's exciting to be able to kind of like only uh, even if it's only like in a small amount, shape the conference and, and pick what people will be able to see and experience, uh, and yeah, you 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 get to like choose what you're more interest interested in, which is kind of like cool for such a big conference where that has people coming from all around the world, and and yeah, hopefully the conference will be really good this time. Uh, I know that DHH keynote is always something that people look forward to. Uh, so um, we'll see how it goes. Cool. Um, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Uh, people can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm there at Seva Soga. Uh, also GitHub, same username, or just also sevasoga.com. If you want to reach out to me, that's probably also a good way to do it. Awesome. All right. Well, let's do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I have a couple. So one is a app called Paper. Uh, I think it's for uh, the iPad, but also for the phone. It's really good to take notes and like do quick sketches, kind of like keep them on what would be like a physical notebook. So it's really cool because you can kind of like separate them by topics or however you want to organize them. But it's also very flexible and you can uh, like draw or write down anything you want and even co- convert it like to text, uh, which is quite useful. And um, I guess my, uh, like my second pick would be a uh, book that I'm just finishing reading, which is called Deep Work. It's oh, been- Oh, you read it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. has like a lot of interesting ideas and also kind of like made me have a lot of second thought, thoughts about how easy it is to get distracted and how it, how hard it is like to notice how the things that are distracting you because you get so used to them. So yeah, it's been making me think a lot about like my habits, I guess. So I really recommend. Awesome. Very cool. Um, I'm going to do a couple of shout outs of my own. Um, now I, I kind of picked the picks from my, I took a trip to, uh, San Francisco. I almost said Las Vegas cause I'm always going to Las Vegas, but, uh, I was in San Francisco this last week for code bean. Um, it's an elixir and Erlang conference and it was terrific. I had a really, really good time there. Um, so I just want to pick the conference and the, the organizing team and all of the folks that were involved there. Cause it was, it was terrific. Um, I am not, 
a competent Elixir programmer yet. Uh, we do have an Elixir podcast on devchat.tv. It's Elixir Mix. Um, and that's kind of how I wound up going out there and I sat through um, and I, I was the MC or track host for one of the tracks. And so I introduced the speakers and, you know, try to have a little bit of fun with that. And that was, that was a good time, but uh, yeah, I just met a ton of great people. So I'm going to pick that. Um, uh, that's cool. But, Were you also part of the like uh, program committee nope. for the conference? Nope. We had um, Francesco Cesarini from um, Erlang Solutions mm-hmm. on Elixir Mix. And after the show, he said, do any of you want to be track hosts? And I was like, sure. And so I flew out there and, and did that. And that was, it was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, um, I think I picked that on the last show. Um, so I'm going to try and pick things that are not San Francisco this time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, one book that I started listening to, and uh, this is kind of a, I, I guess there were a couple of things that are kind of, uh, that I'm enjoying about this. So um, somebody posted a list and I don't remember where, where it was, but it was, um, it was essentially a list of read these books, not those books. And when people tell me that, you know, these are these classic books and you should read some of these other books. And I'm just like, okay, so why are you, you know, what, what's your agenda here in telling me to not read these books and read those books? So of course I have to go read all of the books that they tell me not to read because um, that's <laughs> how I am. And so uh, I picked up one of them. It's A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. And I don't think I've read anything else by Ernest Hemingway. I've read a lot of books in my day, but I I don't know if I've ever picked up one of his. Anyway, I've really been enjoying this book. Um, I'm not very far in, so I don't know if it's actually a great book all the way through. But uh, one of the reasons is is because um, the main character is, uh, I think it's right at the end of World War I, um, I'm sorry, I've been listening to podcasts instead of the book lately, but um, it's right at the end of World War One, and it's in Italy, and it's in the northeast uh, corner of Italy, which is where I lived for seven months. And so, um, you know, it's talking about heading to all these places that I've been to. And so um, I've been enjoying that. But also just, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy history and sort of the interesting take on here's where we're at, and here's where we've been, and here's where people are at, and kind of getting another angle on the story of what happened. So um, I, I see, and I, I'm just going to pontificate a little bit here. I see there's a lot in like politics and things where people essentially say, if, if you're for this issue, then you must be this kind of person or you must hate people that are like this or, you, you know, just things like that. And um, my experience is, is that if I disagree with you on an issue, it's because you've got part of the story and I've got part of the story. And so by hearing more of the story, especially on history and things like that, um, I feel like, you know, we get a little bit closer to what the truth was. And then we can start talking about the interesting parts of what makes people people. And so um, that, that's, that's part of why I enjoy history and in particular this book, because it's, you know, it's a very micro look at, you know, a very worldwide um, phenomenon and, and time period. So anyway, um, so I'm going to pick that. And then um, I, I don't think I have anything else to, to pick. So uh, we'll just, we'll just uh, wrap up here, but thanks for coming, Sebastian. No, thank you for inviting me. And just before we wrap up, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, I guess I already mentioned it, but wanted to plug in the conference that I help organize. So RubyConf Columbia, if you 
want to check it out, the website should be up soon. Uh, we'll be announcing speakers. I have already confirmed uh, the dates, but it, sh it will be in September. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in like visiting a very interesting country and having a good time uh, attending a really interesting conference, uh, please take a look at it. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you put a link in the chat, then we'll make sure that we uh, get that in the show notes. I will for sure. And the CFP will be open when the site goes live or soon thereafter? Exactly. Soon after we put it up. All right. Sounds good. Well, um, I think it'd be a fun trip myself, but we'll, we'll see how that all works out. All right, folks. Well, let's wrap this up and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.